the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Blessed are you 
Jesus and we will enter into his rest. But it requires us to step out of God's way and give him free and open access to our lives. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. These are very specific things we must do if we are going to have the power of God moving in our hearts and in our lives, in concrete ways that we can see and observe and know. I talked with a man this morning who has some very specific needs. When I ask him, how are you going to take care of these issues? He said, I can't. I don't have enough money coming in to take care of them. Wrong. There is a Lord in heaven who opens the way before us, who gives us bread from heaven. We can trust him. We can trust his word. The children of Israel bent over, whipped, beaten, their children murdered, have been delivered from the wickedness of Egypt. And they have been led by the hand of God, by the mighty, miraculous miracles of his hand. They have been led out of Egypt. And they have come to the Red Sea. There they are at an absolute dead end. They are where the pillar of cloud has led them. And in that place, there are mountains on both sides. There's desert behind, and there's the Egyptian army behind them wanting to come and kill them. And they're facing the Red Sea, and they can't swim it. They would drown. They are at an utterly impossible place. What is required of them? To stand still. To let God fight their battle. To put their trust in the Almighty. They've already seen his hand lead them out of Egypt. They've already seen the wonders of God. 
And now they complain and they groan and they moan. And God, in his great mercy, opens the Red Sea before them and they go through on dry ground. The Shekinah glory of God is in the cloud, giving them shade by day and light by night. Some scholars have estimated that there were some two million people who exited from Pharaoh's presence. Some say it was as high as three million. You have more than 600,000 men of fighting age. Then you have the young men, the children. You have the old men beyond fighting age, 50, older than 50. Then you have all of the women and babies. This is a vast throng of people. And now God has wondrously opened the Red Sea. He has destroyed the Egyptian army and said, you will never see them again. He said, only be still. Obey. Then they sang the song of Moses and the Lamb. They rejoiced over the deliverance that God had granted to them. And then they enter the wilderness. And the wilderness is understood in the scriptures as the world. But God's people have turned from the world and they no longer enjoy any aspect of of the world. They now find their comfort in the word of God, in the provision of God. They're not interested in the wickedness of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're only interested in the tree of life. Miriam and the women sing with tambourines, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted the horse and its rider he's hurled into the sea. They are, they are shouting and dancing in joy. But they're also entering. Now three days, all the water they could carry. Three days of dry wilderness, hot, dry desert. They and their livestock are thirsty. And they come to Mara. And Mara is bitter. But again, God has planned years before for this piece of wood to be in place out in this wilderness. Moses casts it into the water at God's command, and the water instantly becomes sweet. The bitter becomes sweet. And they're able to drink to replenish for the animals and for themselves and their water jugs. They're not just walking. Many of them have carts. They have animals that bear burdens. Donkeys, probably. And the Lord then makes a covenant with them, makes an agreement with them. I'll read it to you. This is found in Exodus 15, beginning with verse 26. 
if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. In other words, none of the plagues that came on the Egyptians will come upon you. For I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam. Oh, we all like Elam. Twelve springs, seventy palm trees, a place to get a bath, a place to clean up, a place to wash the clothing, a place to to just rest. But they're not there very long. This is a way of God, by the way. He puts us through a severe test, and then he opens for us a place of rest. And then he calls us back to the journey. He calls us back into an obedient trust in his deliverance. And so we come today to chapter 16 as we continue our study of of what God did with the children of Israel that according to 1 Corinthians 10 is all written down in detail for us that we might understand the ways of God and that we might trust him. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam, chapter 16, and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, or the mountain of God. On the fifteenth day of the second month, in other words, they have now been one and a half months out of slavery, out of Egypt. And in the desert, verse 2, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Well, they're not completely wrong, but they are lying. God did bring them out into this place. No, they did not have all the food they wanted to eat as they were slaves. They could not just relax around their cooking pots and enjoy a wonderful lifestyle. No, they were slaves. They were beaten. They were driven. And they're saying, we wish we would have just been left alone and died in Egypt. Now, wait a minute. This is after the miraculous deliverances that God has granted to them. Time after time after time, he has delivered them. And as the story will continue, we will find that time after time after time, they never came up to faith. They never believed that God could do it. Now, I I have to tell you, I have no judgment. I am very sympathetic with these Israelites. 
The reason I'm sympathetic with them is because time after time I too have faced that place of either God delivers me or I'm going to die. And every time it has stretched me to take a stand on God's side and say, yes, he can do it. God can deliver us. God does move in power. I could recount for you experience after experience where I have come to an absolute dead end. I could not deliver myself. Either God delivered me or it was over. That happened. And I've shared it before, but I'll just briefly recount. As my late wife and I were in California, in the desert, totally shut off, totally isolated. And I was spending day after day in the prayer closet crying out to God for deliverance. And there was no answer from heaven And in the spirit realm, all I could see was a fence keeping me out of the throne room of God. And day after day, I went. And finally, I went hungry with no food in the house. Knowing that either God would have to deliver us, or as I said to him, I am going to stay here in this house and they will find my dead body rotting on this carpet because I'm not going to move until you deliver me, for I cannot deliver myself. You must be my deliverer. And in a very powerful way, with an audible voice, he said to me, Will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? And I said, Yes. He gave me some other instruction. But the heart of it was, will you receive from my hand only what I give to you? Yes. That was some 30 years ago. And I have not been on salary any time since that time. For the Lord said I was to receive from only his hand what he chose to give me. And I said yes. And I entered into the covenant with him that I would not ask any person for any money for my personal life. I would not tell a person any of my needs save Jesus Christ in the prayer closet. I live by faith in Jesus Christ and he has magnificently carried me. He has supplied houses, cars, clothing, food, everything that was necessary, he has carried me. As I have stood by faith on that covenant I made with the Lord, that I would only receive from his hand what he chose to give me. Now I come to the 16th chapter. And before I was ready to start this chapter, one of our faithful listeners, 
wrote a response to me and said, I'm not able to share this broadcast with others because you always ask for money and I'm uncomfortable with you asking for money on the broadcast. And I wrote back and said, can you share with me a scripture that would give you a foundation for saying that I should not ask for money for the payment of the of the radio broadcast for the Lord's work? For the church, we pass the offering plate. So the Apostle Paul asked for money. So where do you come from with this? Well, he believes, they believe that we should live by faith. Well, I lived that way personally. I have not lived that way with this radio broadcast. I have seen it as the work of the Lord, and I have seen you who listen as men and women of the Lord. And so I have felt free to ask you to please step forward each month, even giving you the total amount due, and asking you to help cover the cost of radio. But as I read the 16th chapter in preparation for today, I read verse 4. I want to read it for you. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And this past weekend, I began to pray. I don't receive advice from people and simply take it. I don't look at circumstances and simply accept it. Instead, I go to the Lord and I ask him. Because when I started the radio, he was very clear with me, you should pass an offering plate for the cost of the radio. And so I have done that faithfully. But now, is he changing? Does he want to change what I've been doing? And I've been asking him that question. Because of these kind people who sent me a message saying, we think you should be walking by faith. Well, I walk by faith in my personal life. And I've considered myself as walking by faith in inviting people to give, because I know only the Lord can prompt people to give. And it costs almost $4,000 a month for radio. So, what should I do? As I prayed, the Lord answered very quickly. Now, sometimes I have to pray for days or weeks or months or years before I get a clear answer. And I wait upon the Lord. Part of what the Lord has said to me audibly in the early hours of the morning, he said to me, wait upon the Lord. A pause. And then he said, the Lord will carry you through. A pause. And then for the first time, he used my personal name, 
And he said, Ray, rest in me. Okay. And I have been walking boldly in those words and standing by faith. And he's been carrying me magnificently. But now, does he want to do something different? And I heard him very clearly in my spirit say to me, Test me in this. Test me in this. I said, Oh, wait a minute. Lord, are you telling me that I'm to walk by faith and not invite people to give on the radio for the cost of the radio? That I'm to wait and and trust him and test him in this issue of faith? I spoke with my brother Ed. I spoke with our fellowship on Sunday. And they all said to me, how can you do anything else but trust and test the Lord in this issue? He has invited you to test him in this issue of covering the radio broadcast without asking for money. Okay. And I've now made that agreement with the Lord. I will no longer ask you to donate to cover the cost of radio. Now, I have done this in the past, some years ago, and the result was we quickly went into debt and I went off the air. And of course, my concern is that men and women, you, will not give And the result will be that we will go off the radio and that ministry will close. And my brother Ed said to me very kindly, would that be all right, Pastor? And what could I answer? But yes, of course. I don't want to be on the radio if the Lord doesn't want that ministry. I'm not here trying to build something in my kingdom. It's the kingdom of Jesus So yes, it's okay if we go off the air. I'm comfortable with that. But then I woke up this morning and my heart was filled with fear. I don't live normally with fear in my heart. So I I said, Lord, what is this fear that's in my heart? This is not me usually. And I just sensed in my spirit, rebuke it. Cast it out. Stand by faith. And so I spent my morning praying, encouraging myself in the Lord in the scriptures, and preparing to come today and say, from this day forward, Unless the Lord intervenes and says something differently, I am going to test the Lord on this issue of covering the cost of the radio as he moves in the hearts of people and brings conviction that they should share in the cost.
How shall I handle this? By faith. The Lord has delivered me so many times. I think the Lord wants this broadcast to go on a much broader path than it is currently on, far beyond Washington, D.C., into the major cities of our nation. Okay. But that's not for me to make happen. That's for the Lord to make happen. He said, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Will the Lord rain down bread for this broadcast? I'm standing by faith that the answer is yes. I recognize that what I'm saying is not practical. Will people give if you don't ask them to give? I believe people will give if the Lord asks them to give. So I'm trusting in a supernatural presence of God to provide what is needed for this broadcast. Now, what I am going to do is thank those who give, but I'm not going to ask people to give. It raises the question, Don't answer it quickly. Can you trust Jesus? Can you trust Jesus as your provision? If you suddenly lose your job, or you suddenly have a health issue, and you must leave your job, can you trust Jesus? to carry you? Or will you be cast out and become homeless and live in your car or live on the street? Can you trust God? I'm coming to you today and saying very plainly out of my life experience of over 50 years in public ministry, I have learned that I can absolutely trust the word of the living God. So it's with joy that I come to this decision, even though terror came upon me in the early hours of the morning, I have cast it off. I'd love to hear your responses. If you're listening now, you're welcome to go to the live chat and share your thoughts. Or you're welcome to send me a letter or a message. You see, I can't come to this issue of the manna and say that God is faithful when I have to use human means for God to be faithful for me. Is this the work of God or is this my work? Well, I thought I was responsible. The Lord is saying, test me in this and see what I'll do. I'm eager to see what God will do. And I went this morning, 
after praying last night and saying, Lord, would you move quickly and show me? And a dear brother, Mike, had sent his tithe or his offering. I said, Lord, thank you. I don't need to ask him. He simply moves as the Spirit moves him. He knows the need. The Spirit tells him what to do, and he acts on it. I want you to hear today, beyond any of a shadow of a doubt, God knows your situation. He knows where you are in the wilderness. And he is fully capable of raining down bread from heaven to carry you if you are in agreement with him, you are keeping his commands and you are walking holy and righteous before him by the power of his blood. Jesus is faithful. He is faithful in the healing of the sick, in the restoring of what Satan has stolen. This is not cheap, easy believism. This is walking in holiness before God and crying out to him and entering into his presence and staying there until we know he has heard us and given us instruction regarding what we are to do. One man said to me, Pastor, the Lord said to you that you should only receive from his hand what he would choose to give you. I think I'm going to make that same vow, and God will carry me in the same way. I said, wait a minute. Has God told you that? No. If you take that step without God's direction, you will lose everything. We must only move at the word of God that comes out of a time of of great obedience to Jesus and entering deeply into a life of prayer where we can hear what he has to say to us and then we act on it. Now you all are going to be a part of what's going to happen and I'm going to give Jesus the praise and the honor and the glory. I will bring you a report not to ask you, but to tell you and to be grateful, for I know Jesus is going to cover the cost of this radio broadcast because he said, test me in this. Please understand. There are precious promises of Scripture. I claim those precious promises of Scripture, and I stand on them. But when I stand on a promise of Scripture, that promise usually comes around and stands on my head for a while. Because when I enter into that promise, whether it's Mark 11, 23, and 24, whether it's Luke, the 11th chapter for the full baptism of Pentecost. The Lord has an agenda. 
in my life and in your life. And until that agenda is carried forth in his name, the promise will not be activated from God's side. We activate it by claiming it and standing on it and walking in obedience to his word. But God has to activate that promise or nothing will happen because it is God's faith that makes the promise work. My faith, no. My faith is simply the lifeless hands reaching out to grasp it. But life must be breathed into it by the Spirit of the living God. And until life is breathed into it, I will not realize the the activity and the fulfillment of the promise of God that he has made to me. Now, there are a number of promises that I am standing on right now in the name of Jesus. And those promises are not active. They are from my side. I am pleading those promises day by day by day. I go into the prayer closet and I go through those promises and I stand on promises for salvation for certain people. Promises for for me that mean much to me. That I don't see how I can go on without that promise being answered. I've activated the promise from my side. But nothing will happen in that promise until it is activated from God's side. Because it is God's faith that makes a promise come alive and fulfills it. So, the promise is, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And he said to me, in my spirit, test me in this. For radio. He's already activated it for me in my personal finances. Now he's saying, activate it for your ministry work. Okay. He has to bring it to pass. All promises. Read carefully Luke. I'm sorry. Read carefully Hebrews, the 11th chapter. We call it the faith chapter. It is literally the rhema chapter where God has made a promise and it is then activated by the faith of Jesus Christ. And as that promise is activated by Jesus, it came to pass. No promise of God can be activated by anything that I call faith. It must be activated by the very power and presence of the Holy Spirit as he comes and brings it to pass. So the children of Israel are, they're out of food. They're hungry. Yea, they're at the point of starvation. They need food. They've seen the mighty hand of God move time after time on their behalf. 
They have great evidence of the presence of God. They can look out in their hunger and see the Shekinah glory of God. They see Moses, their leader. They see his example of faith. And all they can do is say, I wish we died. They refuse to activate the promise of God. Now, I want to be plain with you. They were never able to overcome their unbelief. And because they would not believe the word of God, they would not activate the promises that God was making them and activating for them, but they would not reciprocate and believe him. And because of that, they ended up dying in the wilderness. They died in the church. God has many things he wants to give to you and to me. But because of our slowness of heart, because of our grumbling and complaining, he cannot give to us what he wants to give to us. It takes my activating the promises of God and it takes God activating the promises from his end of the bargain. And when that happens and when both of us come into agreement, the promise is fulfilled and the provision is made. The sickness is healed. I've prayed promises until I've been blue in the face and nothing has happened in that promise. Because God has not yet chosen to activate that promise. But I don't back away and I don't give up. I check and make certain that it is the will of God according to the word of God. Because no promise that is not according to the word of God will be fulfilled. It must be known to be the will of God. And when I know it's the will of God, remember the Apostle Paul. He had a a thorn in the flesh, probably his eyes. We're told in the letter to the Thessalonians, he's told in other places, but the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. So he asked for the miracle of healing, and God said, no, my grace will cover you. It was a thorn in the flesh to keep his heart humble before God and dependent upon God, that because of his great revelations, he would not become arrogant and proud and self-sufficient. God has made promises to me that I know are his will. But he has not activated those promises from his end of the prayer life. And I wait on him to do that, and I know he will. And I I rejoice, and I say, Jesus, thank you for the promise. I know you're going to move in great power. And so I pray without ceasing regarding these wonderful promises of God that he has quickened in my heart, but he has not activated. I know he will activate them. 
But this promise of covering the cost of radio, I believe he's already activated that promise. He would not tell me to test him in this if he had not activated the promise. So I'm standing by faith. I'm activating the promise from my end because God has already activated it from his end. And he's going to rain bread down for me, for you, for us. I'm excited about that. Now, we don't have time to get into the fullness of this today. But I want to share with you one of the most exciting things in in all of the Old Testament. The Lord said to Moses, verse 4, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Oh, do you see what God is about to do? Do you realize, if you go back in the scripture to Genesis, the second chapter, let me read it for you. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he had rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Well, what did he do on the eighth day? His work was finished, so he rested. What did he do on the ninth day? He rested. His work was finished. How did he rest? He came and walked in the garden with the objects of his love, Adam and Eve. He gave to them the title deed to the whole earth. They owned it. And then they gave it away to the devil. And they lost the Sabbath. There is no record of any Sabbath rest. From that point where Adam and Eve sinned, until Exodus, the 16th chapter. There's no reference in the life of of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. There's no record in any of the, the children of Israel, 400 years living in Egypt, in the years of slavery. There's no record of Sabbath. Well, what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is literally a sacred time, a holy time. Kadash. It's a a sacred time to be with the Lord. They had lost it. And now God is coming back. And he's going to restore to Israel one day a week of the Sabbath. 
and he's going to rain down food six days a week. They will go out and they will pick up the manna, the bread of heaven, the the food of angels. They're going to go out and pick up a million plus pounds a year for 40 years. And on the seventh day, they're going to rest. Now, what does the word rest in the Hebrew mean? To repose, to lie down. Literally, he's talking about the bedroom of God. He's talking about absolute intimacy with the Lord God of heaven. It is the Lord's will to establish with his people not seven days of rest, but one day of rest, the Sabbath day of rest. That just moves my heart. The kindness of God to say, I will come. And you're not to be busy with your livestock. You're not to be busy with your tent. You're not to be busy moving. You're not packing your tents on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, you're going to just stop and enter into my rest. You're going to fellowship with me for 24 hours you're going to fellowship with me from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. All you're going to do is enter into my presence. You're going to fellowship with the Lord God of heaven. And you're going to demonstrate that you want that fellowship with me by not going out to look for manna. Now, tomorrow we're going to go into what is the manna. and into a deeper meaning of the Sabbath. When we grumble, we grumble against the Lord God of heaven, and it makes him upset. There's nothing that will make God matter faster than grumbling. There's nothing he wants more than for us to trust him. And for me, this radio broadcast has become a place now of testing. The Lord said, now test me in this, but I know it's also a test for Ray Greenley. Will I believe his word? Will I pray? Will I stand by faith? And is it okay if if he closes out this ministry? Yes. I've already settled that in my mind. I don't have to do radio. I believe he wants it. I believe he called me to it. I believe he's given me skill in doing radio. I want what God wants. And I don't want what I do to be an offense to any man or woman. I want to do what God wants me to do. 
So I want to ask you in the last minutes of this broadcast, where have you activated the promises of God? And has God activated the promise for you? Where are you refusing to trust him? And you're worrying and you're fearful and you're afraid. Any one of you today who is living in fear is living in unbelief and it is sin against the Almighty God. You must bind that fear in the name of Jesus and cast it out of your heart. Do not let fear or unbelief lodge in your heart. Be content to know that your life is in the hands of Almighty God and He will do all that He needs to do to bring you to a place of rest in Him. Now, we're out of time. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. If you'd like to write to me, you're welcome to. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear your testimonies. I have one sister in California who writes me these most beautiful letters that such encouragement to my heart as she testifies to what God is doing in her. So write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find streaming video, podcasts, You'll find many resources that will encourage you in this journey. Well, tomorrow we'll pick up chapter 16 of the book of Exodus according to the will of the Lord. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you with all my heart. Walk in faith. Walk in obedience. He is our provision. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.